Welcome to the Insecurity Project Podcast. I've got a coaching session for you today. Now these episodes are rare. I put out opportunities occasionally inviting guests to volunteer to have a free coaching session with me in exchange for it being recorded and released on the podcast, which is a bloody vulnerable thing for someone to do. You know, it's vulnerable enough to ring me and say, Jamin, I'm ready to dive into my deepest doubts, fears and insecurities and existential angst, let alone to invite you you all in to listen to the conversation. So um, when you're listening, listening along to this, just only love and respect uh, for Johnny, who's been willing to share this. Um, now, it's not a perfect coaching session. I'm, I'm not sure if that, that exists, although there are certainly times where the conversation that I get to have with people um, is so breathtaking and the change so dramatic uh, that it just it, it feels it feels like magic is happening and other times the change process is slow and difficult and uh, there are all kinds of things that pop up as resistance to the ideas so when you're listening to this session what I want you to be mindful of is just how simple and hard change really is try it on see how johnny's story is your story see how his resistance is your resistance see how the solutions given to him are also the solutions given to you and just notice how you see him struggle you notice how you struggle and just see what comes up for you let this be another example of how possible it is yet how difficult it is which just makes it all the more wonderful and all the more real and all the more valuable when a human being finds a way to rescue themselves from their own pit of stuckness and immovable objects to find themselves again and to be free to live the life that they desire. So I hope you enjoy this session and I'll talk to you again next week. Uh, Johnny, thanks so much for your willingness to... uh, you know, allow others to listen to this experience. So how are you feeling uh, diving into this this morning? Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, good to be here, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I am a little bit apprehensive at this and I I put my hand up not thinking that I would be chosen to do this. So you've, you've, you've got me, you caught me. But I just love that. I love that for whatever reason you were, on Instagram at at the time to see my post and something inside you went, Hmm, I don't think I'll get this, but I'm going to, I'm going to say yes. And just that I I take that stuff really seriously because um, every part of the most honest and beautiful, you know, essence of who you are uh, wants a better experience of life and knows it's possible. And so is scanning for opportunities is scanning to see, what it's going to take and so for you to say yes and dive into this experience uh, it's a it's a real gift you've given yourself and it's a gift you've given the world so uh, let's let's dive in i understand you've you've done the short course you've read a couple of my books so you're kind of familiar with this stuff but i also know from our brief conversation that there's a whole bunch of frustration you carry around why why you haven't applied it why you're still stuck um so yeah. t- tell me tell me a bit more about what's going on for you right now and the the position you find yourself tell, tell me about the pain tell me about the stuff that's not the way you'd like it to be right now yeah well um 
heck, I, I have just turned 40 um, and sit on that bow graph you illustrate so, <laughs> so well in your book. Um, but <clears throat> because of that, I have a lot of questioning around, heck, mate, what, why have you not excelled like you think you should have? Um, are you actually even good as you think you are? Um, I mean, I, I feel like I've got a lot of optimism about the future, but potentially why am I taking the hard route to get there? Um, and I don't know. It just, it just like we, we've got a, a great life. We've got a beautiful wife and an amazing three children um, and a beautiful part of the world. So everything to be grateful, yet <clears throat> I feel like I, I need to get my shit in order for everything else to stem from that, meaning um, the way I can be a leader for my kids. Well, I don't feel like I'm leading at the moment, therefore my kids won't, uh, I don't know, potentially start off right in their endeavor of life. Um, but <clears throat> everything's been very stop start throughout my my history as I reflect. Um, just scraping through, just on this treadmill, just like persistent, yes, but just very stop start. Um, whether it be in sporting endeavors, and more so now in career endeavors, um, not really having a clear idea of what it is I truly wanted to do, has always been a bit of a mind boggle, and I guess that's where. What was profound from you, Jamin, reading your books was like you really got to sit down with yourself and map out what it is you actually want. But it's a freaking tough, tough question. Um, but as it stands, uh, I feel like I'm somewhat evading your question. It's um, uh, I've gotten into ourselves where it's a little bit um, starting to take a bit of a financial impact on, on our household. And it's stressing everyone out, it's stressing my wife out too, which is really sad to see. Um, and uh, for, like she is working part-time um, back in the, in the workforce, but it's always been me who's been providing that kind of income. And um, yeah, it's really gotten onto a point now that it's like, heck, mate, you need to really focus in and, and dive, dive deep and, and excel at what it is you want to do um, because um, I think it's my beliefs is I think you do need money to be happy. It does help out tremendously. Um, and I kind of debate the whole money's not everything. I, I, I think it's a shitload, a shitload better having money in your back pocket to do what you want to do. Um, to send your kids wherever they want to go. Um, and when you can't tell me when you're sitting at night having a one-on-one -on -one with a wife saying, oh, um, we've got to delay this because we've got to put money towards that. Um, and there's a few times over the years that we've had that conversation and then there's been years where it's just like been hissing. Like, I, I'm not the budget type, but it's just like, yeah, just do it. Just go for it. And that's when, you know, Life has been good, although a little bit hard going, like putting in the work to get to that point. And so now we've now I've felt like we've found ourselves back to that 
the other end of the spectrum where it's just like, shit, okay, we really need to hustle up. I don't want to be that 40 year old father um, reaching out to in-laws or parents saying, listen, I'm in a bit of a strife here. I need your help. Um, because then it just puts this pressure on them as well. And I should, I feel like I shouldn't have to do that because I'm, you'd think, mature and, and experienced enough to to work it out. Yeah, uh, thanks for sharing that. So a, a couple of things just, just to reflect on there. Um, the first is the inevitability of self-judgment whenever, whenever a person reflects on the pain points. I, I think it's impossible to do that without... Uh, being annoyed without wishing it were different and then just kind of being down on yourself and harden yourself around that to go here here it is i'm responsible for this and i haven't sorted it out and that's bad and i don't like that mm. you know that's that's the pain response um, but it becomes personal because then you think well i should have done better and i haven't so that's a that's a reflection on me so i i think that's inevitable and um, probably unavoidable at this stage, but it is entirely unhelpful in terms of changing your situation. So that is a really important distinction and such a central part of the transformational conversation. We have to get a clean space first before before going any further for you to be willing to suspend judgment, even if it's just to suspend judgment, even if you want to get off the phone and beat the shit out of yourself again when we're done. Sure, <laughs> do that. But right here, right now, um, doesn't make sense to have any judgment. We're just having a look, and I don't care. Like I'm not. I don't. I don't know you. I'm not impacted by your pain. I'm not invested in your results. I don't need anything from you. So there's, you know. So I'm not going. Ah, oh, geez, Johnny. Yeah, gee, I wish you had done it better. Yeah, you really should have done it better. I don't know if you should have done it better or not. I got no idea. <laughs> I got no idea what you're sitting on. I got no idea about your dreams, and your challenges, and where you've come from. So how could I possibly know what you should or should have done? should have or should not have done um, so, so my value is entirely around serving you to get more of what you want and the only way that i can do that is in a clean space so for you to just take a breath <clears throat> and and even just uh just look back in at your life dispassionately just to observe what's going on you can't do judgment and awareness at the same time i don't know if you've heard me say that before but they are diametrically opposed it is not safe to be honest with yourself or me in the presence of judgment in case what you reveal implicates yourself and proves that there's something wrong or bad. So you just can't do it. Um, so then you just end up being frustrated and bewildered and disappointed, disgusted even around your own results. Um, and then coming to 40, that just escalates the whole pain because arbitrary milestone or not, it's, it just kind of feels like halfway feels like the midpoint um, feels mm. like, okay, well, uh, if I haven't got it sorted by now, <laughs> the time's running out. It's easy to be optimistic when you're young and think, ah, oh, yeah, no, she'll be right. It'll take care well, of it. It's awesome too, mate. Like I don't want to be, I don't want to be having this, this conversation with self in two years time again. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I understand that it's, it's a, it's a forever journey of, you know, learning and self-development. But again, I don't want to. I, <clears throat> I don't want to get back to the state anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, you understand. There's there's time pressure now. 
and that escalates the pain significantly, but it, but it can also escalate the judgment because you think, well, I should have fixed this by now. Um, so I'm just saying, well, that's natural. So I'm not judging you for judging yourself. I'm, I'm saying, no yeah, no of course. <laughs> um, but in this conversation, um, my first job is to clean the space and to keep it clean and to guard that clean space. Otherwise, it's impossible to see anything we need to see to make any change. So are you willing just to show up here, um, whether you should be here or shouldn't be here, just to be here? and to have a look at where here is exactly and to have a look at the structure of how you got here. Is that okay? Are you willing to do that? Yeah, I am. I am okay. Um, another key part of structure is, I'm not sure if you've heard me say this before either, but um, when a problem feels overwhelming to you, that is really clean feedback that you just haven't accurately understand, understood what the real problem is yet. That's all that's going on. So when you think about, you know, improving your finances or, um, you know, being clear about what you want or landing that career that's going to support your family uh, and, and it feels overwhelming to you, then that's just evidence that you are solving a problem that's a symptom of the deeper problem. You're, you don't have eyes on the core problem. As soon as you have eyes on the core problem, it will feel simple and hard, not complicated and not overwhelming. Mm. Uh, and that is a really important distinction. So I'm going to check in with you throughout the conversation around your experience of the problem. And, I mean, from the little I've heard around your story, you are capable of doing hard things. You've, you've done lots of hard things and you'll continue to do hard things so hard it's hard things are not the problem it's just getting your eyes on the right hard things be very clear about the exact specifics of the problem so that you can put your best energy into that and the moment you do that then you see progress and change then you actually get somewhere and, and that's that's the fun of these conversations it's it's a an exercise in problem solving and rather than assuming you've understood the problem or just uh, you know, letting someone else dictate what the problem must be and then putting all your energy into fixing that. It's press pause, have a clean look, get very clear on the exact problem before you do any problem solving. So, yeah, like what, what speaks to me there is I have been reflecting and, and it's more so on my decision-making processes. Like um, it feels like every decision I've made has been the incorrect one. Wow. And then you look at it in hindsight, you're like, oh my gosh. And then it's now getting to a point where I need to check in and validate with most people and, and like, mate, what do you think about this scenario here if X, Y, Z, or, you know, talk, naturally to talk it through with um, my wife <clears throat> as well. But it's something I've really looked back on because I haven't, I haven't been too proud of those decisions and how the, the outcome has happened. Well, Let's just use that as an example. So say that's a problem. You've got a faulty decision-making system um, and you've got evidence that that's actually true because you look back and think, well, all the decisions I've made, I'm not proud of. So then you have to look to other people to help you make decisions. If that's actually the problem, um, when you think about solving that, do you feel like that's overwhelming or do you feel like that's simple and hard?
not not a lot of it has to do with fear of missing out as well. I feel like I I, I see the upside and opportunity at what potential both opportunities present, and maybe it's a little bit of fear of missing out on on foregoing one over the other. Um, but <clears throat> I think now it's just like oh, here we go again. Um, let, let's you know, take a breather, sit back. Um, sometimes I, I, I put my hand up and say it's, it's generally been a gut feel process. Um, it feels right as opposed to logically sitting down and, and, you know, considering how this could potentially impact the family as well. Sure, but I, I bet every decision you've made, you've actually tried. You haven't tried to make the wrong decision. You've no. tried to make the best decision for you and your family, and every every time you've tried to be as thought through and as wholehearted and as courageous and get it right, and then you look back and go, oh, and I've still got it wrong. So yeah, you're right. If you're really honest and you think about how many times you've already tried to solve your decision making problem and yet you haven't solved it, if you're honest, does that feel overwhelming? If that's actually the problem, if that's what's wrong, uh. Like, does that feel like a solvable problem to you right now? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'd say it is a solvable problem. Well, uh, the the point of my question is to go, that's not the problem. Whatever you think that's the problem, you'll go around in circles and you're an optimistic guy and you're willing to try things and put yourself in the game and so you'll keep hoping to fix it. But in your darkest moments, you'll you'll beat yourself up and get frustrated, and then find more evidence that you make bad decisions. So let's let's press pause on thinking about that as the actual problem, and go go underneath that and and think about: Are you sure that's actually the problem? Are you sure that's really what's going on for you? Um, so if you were to think about someone else, so you think about uh, an example of someone else who had an experience of making decisions and then um, found themselves making poor decisions or decisions they regret, you, you kind of assume that eventually that person gets to the point where they don't trust themselves. They, they're like, I don't know, I want to, but I can't, I don't have no evidence to point to that I can be trusted to make the right decisions. And so the next decision comes, they're already nervous about the fact that I don't know if I've got what it takes to make the right decision. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> like I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of mirroring the like my 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 values and 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 beliefs around. <clears throat> to give you context, I've been in a one hundred percent commission based role for the last eight years, or roles plural. And whilst a grind, I, I I know that I value freedom over security. And <clears throat> I think now that's where it's been a little bit potentially jeopardizing the family because I'm so staunch on holding that freedom and having the flexibility, you know, to, to do what I want. <clears throat> Yet at this point in time, the income's dropped off quite a bit. So now it's just like, mate, um, 
potentially the self-talkers don't be too selfish don't don't be selfish because now you're, you're dragging the family through the mud like this is jeopardizing lauren's state and um i mean the kids are too young to understand but um it all flows from there um and so now it's just like right you gotta you gotta flip that to the side get some stability and start start again that's it, that's kind of what i'm feeling like at the moment i don't know if that's a way of sure. answering that question but, um yeah. and, and if you do that if you know what's what's the problem with doing that so when you think about that as an option to go oh yeah i really should just focus on security get a job so that it's short term i feel like that's short term because this all doesn't solve that problem of future decision making processes mm. um yeah and i don't know it's going for something then fully backing myself and then and just giving it my all i guess um whatever that might be this is the interesting thing around beliefs and behavior because you being an optimistic and ambitious person means that I'd imagine your self-talk is quite polarizing. So I'd imagine on your best day, you're full of bravado and confidence and speak very well to yourself and about yourself and and aim aim high and tell yourself that you can get there. That's the nature of you. And then on your worst days, you look at your results and go, delusional. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's R18 wording. <laughs> great you know great mistakes poor decisions what, what like what is wrong you've got everything you need but you don't get the results and you you keep over promising and under delivering so um the challenge with being ambitious and optimistic is you deceive yourself around what you really believe so so because in order to achieve success in a role that you've chosen which is very reliant on backing yourself um, you can't really allow any language around, well, I don't, I don't really trust myself or I don't believe I can do this to get in. Otherwise, how are you going to succeed? Mm. So you have to keep convincing yourself you believe certain things about yourself. That's your only chance of succeeding. Um, yet behavior never lies. So if you want to know what you actually believe about yourself, then notice the patterns of thinking and behavior and emotion that follow you. And those those you know, derogatory comments toward yourself, the um, the thoughts and emotions on your down days, the the patterns of making poor decisions, they're evidence of what you actually believe about yourself, not what you want to believe, not what you'd hope to believe, not what you should believe, not what you need to believe to succeed in your role. They're evidence of what's actually the factory of of beliefs driving your existence. And And that's a hard thing to see because you don't want that to be true. And so you keep living as though it's not, um, but that doesn't change anything or solve any problem. So the courage to come out of hiding and step in the light and go, huh, okay. <laughs> I, in order to keep feeling like this, to think like this, to behave like this, I must believe that I there's some there's something wrong with me. There's some lack with me that I don't. I'm not trustworthy. I'm flawed in my decision making. So how do you, so it is then like going away and then just trying to 
introspectively think about these beliefs and what they potentially are and then once you've hit that hit that target list then go about trying to change them iron them out is that what you're alluding to so here's a structure of, of how it works structure is is your hope this is not mystical or magical it's not a unique problem there's nothing mysterious about it uh, to start with what you want so the, the ambition that you have for a better life for you and your family is is where this begins and then to notice your experience of life that is not what you want it to be so the ideals here and the reals here mm. and so when you're honest you go yeah for all the dreaming and all the rhetoric around how awesome this is and how capable i am here's here's what's actually true about my experience of life here's what keeps happening again and again even though i don't want it to and i wish it didn't that's that's the truth that's the true reflection of your beliefs and then then that gives you a window into the structure of your beliefs and so to behave like that you ask well what must i believe about myself in order to keep making these same decisions the same having these same experiences experiencing these same thoughts and emotions what must i believe because it would be impossible i, I say to, say this to people all the time anxiety requires a backstory to survive so if mm. if you are having an experience of anxiety in your life that doesn't just show up magically disconnected to anything else that requires structure to happen it requires certain beliefs certain fears certain assumptions that that are locked in in your world to produce that end result so you can think all kinds of things about what you believe but to be anxious highlights that on some level you believe you're inadequate about this task you're not good enough for this because to do a, to do a task like tying your shoelaces and experiencing experience no anxiety when doing that is evidence that you don't think you could fail it's impossible to be found out no one's judging you you can't get it wrong. So to have an experience where you are anxious highlights, there must be some fear of inadequacy and being found out. So back to you, start with what you want, highlight the things that are not what you want, and then work your way backwards. Okay, so to have these experiences, what must I believe about myself? And then you go, well, I must believe that I'm not trustworthy, that I, can't, I cannot trust my instincts to make good decisions. My instincts are flawed. My intuition is compromised. There's something that's not smart enough or strong enough or intuitive enough or intelligent enough to know what's right for me and my family. I must believe that. Otherwise, I couldn't be having this experience. Mm. You're funny, man. I've always thought my intuition was <laughs> really good. <laughs> And this is the this is the self deception piece that I'm pointing to. You think you think that, yeah. and you want to think that, and and you want to tell others that, but the 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 down days, the dark experiences, yeah. and the pain so you're actually, experiencing. Let's look at your results, Johnny. <laughs> and look at your results. Exactly, your evidence says. Not when I'm honest, and I look <clears throat> at myself in the mirror, and I re reflect on the data. Your mm. intuition's flawed. It's. If it was if it was as good as you thought it would was, you would have succeeded by now. You wouldn't be causing your wife pain by financial instability. You you would have made good decisions, not bad decisions. So you don't believe you are as intuitive as you thought you were, or your intuition is trustworthy. Yeah, I mean, like it, it brings brings in the whole aspect of like, mate, maybe you're just being delusional <laughs> rather than. A realist 
um, because yeah, I mean, yes, I am optimistic about <clears throat> how things will end up, but now it's at a point like I'm not a single man anymore. I'm a family man. Yeah, exactly. You know, so you have to produce real result results in the real world. <laughs> Correct. And there's no margins anymore. So absolutely, here's where the rubber hits the road. This is why 40 is such an important number for these conversations. So you are, you are doing something uh, really important, but also very rare. This is confronting stuff. And so keep tracking with me here around the structure of this. Start with what you want. Be clear about what's not that. Tell the truth around that. Uh, highlight the fact that in order to have that experience, there must be a belief fear and insecurity that produces that and then then you know what you're looking for then it's like okay well when when was the first time i decided there was a problem with me when was the first time i noticed this flaw in my decision making when was the very first time i thought i was making the right decision and evidence showed i made the wrong decision mm. because that's that's all we're looking for, those inception moments where you think everything's fine, you're living as though it is, and that's where we all start. We start being fine. We start being pure. We start being whole. We start with high expectations of what's possible and who we are, and we get that fed back to us you know, fairly consistently for a season when we're very, very young, and then the wheels fall off. Then you have experiences of pain and disappointment and discouragement where things don't work out. And you can't help but personalize those experiences and assume they mean something about you. And that's, that is the change space to be willing to go back and review the data around that. So what comes up for you when you consider where this might've started for you the first time that you had an experience of assuming your decision-making was good backing yourself and it going badly i yeah oh man if i if i take it right back <clears throat> like even even towards the going to uni university in itself was an escape i think and it was like doing a degree that i didn't even want to do it was just <clears throat> the old the old man was a night shift worker and <clears throat> man good advice but he's just like mate boys whatever you do do not get a night shift job and so heck the only thing i could consider was well heck a, a relatively like numbers somewhat how about accounting without even knowing what accounting was um but then doing that and knowing full well that i'm just doing this degree to to get the certificate at the end of it, it's not something I want to do. Um, and that in itself was the choice I made. Um, well, I'm going to press pause there. That's evidence of this problem, but it, it's not the first time. In order for you to get to that point in your life and, and choose that degree, you'd already discovered a problem in your decision-making. You'd already found that, you couldn't trust your instincts as much as you thought. And so we went, well, well, I don't really know. So I'll just do something. That wasn't the first time. Mm. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's tough for me not to, and I don't want to play the blame game 
Jamin, but it's tough for me not to put that blame on on my upbringing <laughs> um, with with a disruptive household environment of mm. um, um, I don't want to put that blame on that that whole environment and that episode, but that's where my mind takes me first and foremost as a mechanism of like just getting away from that environment. Um, and the handbrake that I felt like has stopped me from um, excelling. Mm. It's more running away. So I'm still trying to identify what that first decision-making process could have been. Um, mm. But that there could be it in terms of maybe I should have just faced it head on and just dealt with it then and there. Um, yeah, we, I mean, you can't deal with it then and there because it's you know you know having an experience of childhood as a child, mm. and you're just doing the best you can and dealing, playing, you know, facing the cards that you've been dealt. Um, the you know no child escapes their childhood without woundedness, so that's a really important distinction to think. Ah, oh, if that hadn't happened to me, then my life would be fine. No, something mm. would have happened. Um, you can well, conversely, off. likewise, if it wasn't for those episodes, I wouldn't be here right now with, you know. Yeah, just, sure. You know, but not trying to find the silver lining, just understanding there is woundedness that happened in your childhood without a shadow of a doubt. And your most important work at 40 is to bring healing to that woundedness. That is, that is your work. So I'll help you not play the blame game by helping you understand the structure of misdirection and, and breaking through the misdirection trap because clearly your childhood created an ex experiences of pain that led you to assume there was a problem with you with 100% certainty, as does everyone's childhood. So, yeah, you could blame your childhood, great, but blaming your childhood doesn't fix anything because what do you do then? You're like, well... But is, so is, is it an event that triggers? It has to be an event to trigger this problem, decision-making it has to be an event. And the reason I say that is because there is a moment in time where you first experience a dilemma and it is not where you start. However unsettled your childhood was, when you were born into this world, uh, someone kept you alive. And so in order for them to keep you alive, they've, they've responded to your demands for food and clothing and nurture and the moment you've given it. And because you've had someone respond to those demands as an infant, you've assumed your assumption about yourself was correct, that I'm valuable and worthwhile and I matter. Because watch what happens when I make a squeal, I make a noise because there's a problem. The world comes running and fixes my problem. That is that is every child who's still alive. You know, some some children don't, don't survive. Sure, so that might not have been their experience, but you're here alive. So someone cared for you at least well enough to verify your own assumptions and instincts when you were first born. But that mm. didn't last very long. It doesn't last very long for anyone. And no one has a perfect experience of 100% feedback around their value and worth. At some point, that, that feedback loop breaks mm. and then pain enters your world for the first time. And you personalize that. You have to question why is this happening and what does it mean about me? So, yeah, I guess I'm struggling to answer that question of, you know, what was that? that I think the question just to, just to circle back to it was you said there, there was <clears throat> what was the first 
what was the first time you had had to make a decision and you felt it was incorrect? Absolutely. The first time yeah. you thought you were making a good decision. And, and I haven't I haven't given that question consideration before, I don't think. Um well it's that a far back until this year in terms of like, man, what 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 am I the decisions I've made this year from bouncing from job to job, gig to gig, it hasn't panned out as I anticipated. Why? Um and, and so then I haven't taken it back to then try and pinpoint um what was that event where I had to, where I made a decision and it wasn't right. Um, and that is what you're looking for. And I'm, you might not know it now. And that's, that's fine. That, that doesn't matter. This is the fun around our reticular activating system in our brain. When you give it an instruction, then yeah. your brain goes looking for that. It's like typing in a search query into Google. Then you give the computer a chance to go produce results. Mm. So, mm. um, like you start, you decide to play basketball and someone says, do you want to join us to play basketball? And all of a sudden basketball is now in your system as an important search query. So then you start noticing basketball shoes. You start noticing basketball games. You start mm. seeing that when there was basketball happening in the world before that, but it wasn't relevant to you. So you filtered it out. I'm itching to try and like, like I'm trying to, scan my brain we'll, we'll just just pause that so just mm. just know that's obviously work to do but just understand the structure right now that's that's the important thing so no child escapes the childhood without woundedness um, the event some some happen something happens and often it's um well well let's say not even often let's say every time it's a minor thing that's a really important clue in what you're looking for as well so often people assume it must have been something bad someone must have abused me someone must have really bullied me i must have been beaten i must have had a, a traumatic experience um, and it's not to say that that's not impossible traumatic experiences happen all the time but to a child um not getting that perfect feedback back seeing that there's a problem with you that is a traumatic experience on itself so yeah you got young kids watch what happens when they want a honey sandwich cut into triangles and you cut it into squares it's yeah. like they could lose yeah. their mind for hours about that <laughs> yes they can and they could they could that's their whole world wrapped up in that moment of pain i wanted something i didn't get it and what's the point of living if i can't get what i want so that's that's how a child experiences the world and they experience the world with a very immature sense-making setup and so they can't help but personalise those experiences. Again, why it proves the fact that no, it is impossible to escape your childhood without woundedness and to think there's a problem with you. So um, very important to understand and this helps yeah, take it's the good judgment to know, out yeah. of it. Yeah, it's Sorry. great to know. That's actually really great to know. Like, it takes a judgment. It's not. Yeah. This is not a. This is not a Johnny problem. There's not. You haven't done anything stupid. You're not a bad person. You, you, it's like, yeah, you've had some stuff happen in your past that's affected you, and it's and it's wounded you, and it's and it's impacting your world. So is every single human, and most humans will build up so much angst around their past and uncertainty around the process of fixing it, they will just manage the fallout of that woundedness and therefore live within their capacity and will not reach their potential. That is the great dilemma of being a human being. Most people die with music still inside them. 
an mm. unfulfilled life. You know, the five Ouch. regrets of the dying are evidence of that. So, but that, but is there a solvable problem when you can just think clearly about what what it is you're actually looking for? And and the misdirection I mentioned before that helps you not blame your childhood is that your parents didn't have the power, or your siblings, or your friends, or uncles and aunts. No one had the power to bless you or curse you with their words or their actions, even though it looks like they did. It looks like you could pinpoint to actions and words and experiences at the hands of others that wounded you. That's not the wound. The, the wound is your assessment and agreement of those situations and the personalization. So, you know, I've got clients that point to a, a school teacher who um, criticized them badly or ridiculed them in front of the class. That's the moment when they felt like there was a problem with them. And so they think, well, I blame that school teacher. If that school teacher had been kind, I would have been fine. Um, but that's not true. The, the, the problem was when the school teacher said the thing they did, what actually wounded was that child agreed with the school teacher. And, huh, you're a teacher. You're smarter than me, older than me. It's your job to teach me. So you must know what you're talking about. So you are speaking the truth. Okay. Well, now I know. Whereas some other kids heard a school teacher say something rude and went, piss off. Well, I'm telling my mum on you. Like, you can't get away with talking to me like that. Mm. And so disagreed. And, and this, is, this is the structure of blessing and cursing because um, if, if people just had the power to impact us by what they said and did, then every kind thing and every beautiful word spoken to you would automatically transform you too. If some stranger said, oh, you're an amazing kid, I think you're going to do awesome awesome things with your life. You're like, oh, well, now my life's ruined. Like Now my life's on a path to be awesome just because one person has said that. That's mm. only has power if you go, oh, look at that. They're telling the truth. I am special. I agree. So mm. or that's, that's the misdirection. You think the action's happening around what's being said and done, but it's never there. It's always in your own personalization of those experiences. And that's, that's beautiful because it means, oh, well, then you created the problem by your own sense-making and therefore you can solve it. You can go back and review those decisions and what you made that mean and, and bring some adult insights back to that child and give them more awareness and choice around an alternate narrative. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that insight, that's for sure. Um, <clears throat> It's actually ticking me off a little bit that I can't pinpoint something right now, but I think there's more more to it. Just... Uh, so every single person I've ever coached around this um, thinks there's a problem with their memory or I just can't, I don't know what it is. Um, but that's, you just think about the way memory works and it would be impossible to have instant access or already have access to that memory now. Consciously, we've got a couple of gig in the hard drive. Terabytes, there's, uh, sorry, unconsciously, there's terabytes of storage space. So if you're unconscious to be constantly reminding you of the, uh, the traumatic moment in your life where you discovered there was a problem with you and constantly be putting that into your conscious mind would be an incredibly unkind and unfair thing to do. It would weaken you. How are you supposed to function in the world if that is constantly being played on loop in your mind yeah. uh, if you have no two tools to deal with it then that would be a horrible thing to do the kind and loving thing to do would be to put it in a filing cabinet in a locked 
house or you know locked rooms with security guards and passwords so that you never find it mm. so that you can try and distance yourself from that and pretend that that's not there and it's not lurking there and try and be better than that mm. um, but when you're ready and you demonstrate you understand the structure of this then it's an act of courage and kindness to go back and say i'm ready i'm ready to have a look at that file give me a look at that file I've got to review the data around that. I've got to review what I made sense of in that moment and how I cursed myself. And when you, with that courage and kindness, you know, your unconscious has been desperate for a time where you could review that, um, but it's not going to bring it to the surface until you're ready. So as soon as you're ready, you get access to that file and you can do good adult work. Mm, Well, I'm ready. I'm ready for sure. (laughs) And, and see here, like even just your, your tone, your language, your experience, all of a sudden we've moved out of the overwhelmed space. It's like this is a solvable problem. <laughs> wow, like I've never seen it like that. Like I could yeah, solve you're, this. you're exactly right, mate. Like um, again, like I told you earlier, I was having a few just muscular lower back issues. But even just having this discussion now, although I haven't solved the problem, being aware of it, it's just like oh, I feel like, so much more lighter there's no more weight on my shoulders it's just really refreshing to know that okay i've got a strategy in place to just give more thought into that that question that i need to to answer um and and change change the wording around it um yeah and there's there's a bit of work to do in changing that but it's simple and hard so just an important distinction there is imagine imagine um, someone had been accused of a crime 30 years ago or 35 years ago and had been imprisoned ever since for a crime they didn't commit uh, and someone eventually stumbled across their, their case and was willing to open the file and go back in and discover, oh, they've been falsely accused. It was a misunderstanding. There's new data here that says, no, they didn't do the thing they were accused of. Um, that person would be very grateful. But what do you think that person would also hope for in that experience to, to fully resolve the pain and suffering they've had for 35 years? What, what would they want? I mean, that would be an amazing experience to have, have that problem solved. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm saying if you're in jail for 35 years, falsely accused, and some kind person comes along and is willing to review the data and prove that you're innocent and you get to go free, I mean, you'd be glad to be finally out of jail, but you'd, you'd have a, a bit of... the system. Sorry? I think it could be a shock to the system. It would be a shock to the system, but there'd also be... You'd want to have a conversation with... With there'd be someone in particular that you'd, you'd want to <laughs> go and have, seek out. yeah. And what would you want from the person who put you in jail in the first place? I'd probably want an apology. <laughs> you would have to, you would say, could like I have suffered at your hands for 35 years. You, you, I'm free now, How but you owe me an apology. You got it wrong, and I have suffered. And so that is a very important distinction when you're setting yourself free you will you will owe an apology so it's 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 a matter of finding that question um or that event 
and then there's some so it's it's a a perception of self and how you interpreted that event which laid the foundation of my decision making process mm. but then that could have <clears throat> there was a person that externally created that event no therefore, well no. sorry to cut you off therefore what sorry uh, uh well i'm just trying to question around that the need to seek that apology from that person no a good good distinction no you're the bully in this story you're not the victim yeah correct um because if it wasn't them that actually cursed you if you cursed yourself and have not gone back and opened that file for 35 years then you will owe an apology to yourself mm. and that and it's not like um you know now now the temptation to then blame yourself further and feel worse about yourself for then you know not going back sooner that's not what i'm suggesting i'm just saying to fully heal and bring restitution an apology is central to that and a, and a full and effective apology so go back if you go back and just go oh this is easy i'm going to change that you kind of miss the point that there's been some suffering involved with this misunderstanding so to really bring healing and look, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't come back soon. I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't understand that I falsely accused. I didn't know that was the problem. I didn't understand that's what I was dealing with. But now I do. As soon as I've seen that's what was happening, I'm here and I'm ready to review that and, and understand what actually went down there and what that meant about me. So... Nice. Uh, that is that's the healing process changing the meaning but apologizing for the falling the fall out of that first choice in the first place yeah i mean that that i'm fine with like it like i'm old enough now like it's protecting my energy too i i don't feel i need to beat myself up anymore yeah great so um i think that's it's a good thing to, to look forward to when I find that mm. find that underlining problem. Mm. Yeah. Um, so how are you feeling about your ability to lovingly go back to that experience of childhood and review the data? Are you feeling like that's you're ready for that? Yeah, I mean, or like for some reason what's popped up <clears throat> is this talk of does this have anything to do with the inner child work that people seem to be throwing around at the moment? Well, yeah, of course, but I don't necessarily agree with how most know. people describe this. Right. I don't know anything about it, but it's just um, circling back to your question. You know, I feel, I feel, I feel great actually knowing, knowing I've got something to, to, you know, um, revisit and in a way correct the foundations um <clears throat> well it is it's a it is an inner child that's that's wounded by an assumption around a painful experience um but your job is to go and resolve that woundedness so that that child can grow up and you can have an adult relationship with yourself I don't mm. like thinking about the fact there's going to be a child inside you for the rest of your life that you've always got to 
be fragile with and check in with. That seems really weird to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there is there is a wounded child, and this is the where you you had trust, you had rapport, you did believe in yourself, you were congruent in your backing yourself. It was wholehearted, and then an experience happened. We went, oh, hang on a minute. There's a problem with me. I can't trust my nature to make decisions. I make decisions badly. So now I've got to manage that. Now I've got to overcompensate or now I've got to try extra hard or I've got to be wary because there's a problem that that I just saw. And, and so the wound created like that around that moment infiltrates all your future decision-making, all your experiences, and there's some party that got stuck in that moment in time. Do you think it, 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 it does occur at that younger Oh, it has to. Of course it does. By the time we're seven, we pretty much made up our mind about almost everything. Like they're, they are the formative years. The, the most formation crammed into the shortest period of time happens in those first seven years. So much new thing, new stuff to process. But the problem is you're, you're making all these big decisions with a very limited resource base. <laughs> so you don't get to have a childish experience as an adult where you've got objectivity and common sense and intelligence and emotions you're making shit up as a child so it's it's fraught with danger um no child escapes without messing that up but that's that's the gift for you that's that's your work to go back and bring healing to yourself that's how you get strong uh, you know you go to the gym and lift weights not air you, that resistance is what strengthens you so the fact that there is a wounded child is the gift for for strength and healing for your adult self Mm. yeah nice so yeah sure there's lots of work to do and and you're you're clear on the problem but the point of this conversation is until you understand what the actual problem is then all time money energy is wasted and you go around in circles and you end up overwhelmed yeah i mean 100 percent. like it's forever trying to find an answer or well, i am like <clears throat> um whether it be reading X amount of books or yeah it's just you seem to be going or i seem to be going around in circles just trying to find this answer and and um questioning self when really it's all within that <laughs> you could hmm. go back to that starting point and then um it's the course correction that it can change everything uh, you can. You have the power to change your whole experience of life. Mm. But that's your work to go back to the start. That's profound, eh? Uh, yeah, it is. And and believable. Um, does it feel like an okay place to leave the conversation today, knowing that you know we've just scratched the surface on it, but the point being now you know your work, now you know the area to focus? Is that an okay place? You're in a good good enough state to leave the conversation here? Yeah, great place, great state. Mm. I feel better for it. So thank you so much. Mm, um, absolute pleasure. Mm, I, I know where to head to now. So thanks.